Well, hey there, Heritage family. I want to welcome all of you across the network. Great to see you guys here at Rock Island. I want to greet our families at Bettendorf, the brothers at Kiwani tuning in, as well as those checking things out online. I'm super glad to have this time with you as we wrap up the Our Heritage series, which has been a journey over the last seven weekends, really looking at how God has been working in and through us as a church. We've looked at where we've been, we've looked at where we're going, and, and we've really unpacked how what we do connects us all together. And we've primarily done that through six specific values. And as we've walked through these values, unpacking each of them, it's positioned us to see how who we are connects to what we do, uh, connecting belief to practice. And it's been a bit of a unique series, but it's been highly impactful for all of us. And, and we thought it'd be a great way to try to wrap this thing up by team teaching this together this weekend. Yeah. And some of you are like, that's so cute. And some of you are like, that's so crazy. You wouldn't want to be up here alone, let alone trying to team teach with your spouse. I get it. But listen, we're ready. We're excited. It's going to be good. All right. Here we go. (laughs) So one of the things that I've loved about this series is just the opportunity to kind of pivot between talking about the value and then taking a week and really practicing and, and really digging into, well, what does that look like? How do I embody that? Um, because the reality is, as we've looked at this arc of these values, it is just jumped out to me, and I hope it's jumped out to you as well, that these values are not just an invitation for us. This is actually, this is how God is with us. It all starts with love, and it goes to his radical generosity to us, and Jesus being willing to risk it all. It's just this beautiful, um, really, invitation and, and arc of relationship of how God is with us and then invites us to be with him and to be with people around us. You know, a heritage is something that we inherit. It's something that's given to us. And it is our hope and prayer that our heritage is something that we steward and that that we um, just continue to value and treasure so that we have it to pass on to the next generation. Yeah, as as one church in multiple locations, uh, across multiple languages, across multiple generations, we're committed to seeing people thrive in Jesus. And the values we've been unpacking, they facilitate that, but they also position us as a church for what we do and what we don't do. And they should shape us individually when we say we follow Jesus. They should direct how we live our lives. And in some ways, they're, they're like practices of the faith, but they're also a grid for what we pursue as a church. So along the way in this journey, we've woven in some stories for how our pursuit of these values have have led us to impact our cities and our region. And it's really been designed to help us capture who we are as a church, the heartbeat of our heritage, as well as who we're becoming. And with the help of our creative arts team, we've put together, they put together a compilation of the Our Heritage journey to help us do that. And it's really an opportunity, if you've not been in the conversation, to catch up on what you missed, But if you've been in the conversation, it's a great way to lean back in and once again celebrate and highlight how God's been working in and through us as a church. Now, I want to acknowledge that this is a little bit longer video than we would normally show in a space and time like this, but we think it's important, and I want to assure you that it is well worth the price of admission today. It's totally (laughs) worth it. So I invite you to either sit back or lean in, but to enjoy this compilation of our heritage journey.
As one church family across locations, languages, and generations, we're more committed than ever before to living out God's heart for each of us to thrive. Our invitation is to pursue Jesus and his purpose through authentic love, intense spirituality, faithful risk, radical generosity, hopeful partnership, and passionate mission. This is what we value. This is where we're headed. This is our heritage. As part of our heritage journey, we've heard heritage stories. Those stories of some of our people who are living out these values in incredible ways. Stories of transformation, of hope, of Jesus being made real in and through them. Authentic love positions us. When we embrace authentic love, it positions us. It, it, it gives us opportunity. It allows us access. It gives us purpose, a readiness, and a willingness. Authentic love positions us for the purpose God has. And, and the, that intense spirituality, it is something that enables. Intense spirituality empowers us. It gives us strength, it gives us focus, it gives us influence, the ability to lean into the hardship of the, of the good work he calls us to, to, to really make a difference in every moment of every day where we're listening or talking in any space with any person. It's for you and me, it's for us as a church family. Bruce's life was changed when he connected and began to journey with a mentor, someone who helped him to see and know what it means to pursue Jesus in intense spirituality. I was by myself at home at night, and uh, just kind of a tearjerker moment with me and God, but I mean, I just kind of come unglued, like, what are, what's the purpose? I don't understand, you know, and, and uh, that very next morning, I would sit there at my desk with the coffee and the Bible was sitting right there, and I was just sitting there looking at it. And, uh, and God spoke, and I had that small voice, do it now. I, was, I heard it, do it now. I opened the Bible, I started reading it, and it was, it was different, you know, and it spoke to me, and, and um, it opened my eyes. Notice those phrases in that passage, right? Training for godliness, hard work, continual struggle, spiritual health does not and will not appear out of nowhere in your life. It's going to take practice. It's going to take work and commitment and intention, discipline, and yes, spirit-infused help. I do things I would have never done, you know. I mean, um, praying for people in public, you know. Somebody at V or at the Y or even even guys at work that are asking for prayer now that I never could have done it before. I never had the boldness to do it before. And now it's like, uh, it's like God opens these doors and enables you to do the things he wants you to do for him. It's not about what we have in life. It's about how we live our life. It's, it's not about an action. It's, it's about a posture. It isn't necessarily simply about giving, it's about being. It's about being willing to step in bold obedience and trust, to be radical in our generosity and faithful in the risks we take. It's how God invites us into spaces and when we live that way, incredible things happen. Terry gave us a picture of what faithful risk and radical generosity can look like when we choose obedience. It's an adventure Terry stepped into when he left the stability, security, and comfort of his management job, instead using the skills learned through a career in manufacturing to invest in the men of the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. I really kind of felt convicted that 
um, you know, I've placed you here to do something and, you know, good intentions aren't getting it done. I've, you know, you're in this exact point in time and place, you know, for a reason, you know, and the issue was about, had a lot to do with trust. If you really, if you really believe in more than just saying it, you know, in prayer and, and talking about it to people, if you really believe that you trust the Lord, then he'll take care of you. And he has. Faithfulness is our responsibility. Fruitfulness, the results, the impact, the, the life change, the, you know, that's God's responsibility. But what happens so often with us is when we feel Holy Spirit prompt us to, whether it's to risk or to give, we try to war game out the whole scenario because we want to guarantee that, if, hey, if I'm going to be generous, then I need to know that there's going to be results, right? I'm not the only one that deals with this. But the reality is that's not our responsibility. We can't own that. We can't control that. But the reality is that's God's role because fruitfulness is God's responsibility. For over the last five years, Heritage has worked in partnership with our friends at Jefferson School in Davenport. God has used us to help address food and clothing insecurity among children and in creating spaces for vulnerable children and families to live in even greater dignity. When I came into this building five years ago, you know, we are a title building in the district. Um, been in the bottom five on our math scores and our reading scores for years and years. Um, through some of these things and being able to take these kids from, you know, where they were to where they are now, we, for example, you know, we had the highest second grade math scores in the whole district this past year. We have had some of the greatest gains um, in a lot of grade levels. God's mission is to see all of humanity restored and reconciled into right relationship with him. That's his mission. And guess what? God's mission has a church. Our heritage is part of that church, that church that is all in with God's mission for the world. As we've been faithful in these cities, God has given us opportunity to work with vulnerable children around the world, especially through partnerships like ZOE, which works with child-headed households. These are children who were once without hope of food, shelter, and security, now forming new families together. Our children at Heritage completely funded our first investment in Zoe by raising and sending over $6,700. This allowed us to launch our first empowerment group called The Conquerors. And our commitment to empower, enrich, and elevate others. And the way we really try to stay mindful of this is that we ask ourselves the question all the time, who's the hero of the story? Understanding that in our own stories, Jesus is the hero of our story. And then we want to help people understand that Jesus can be the hero of their story also. And so we try to get out of the way and make sure that there's nothing standing in the way of people connecting to Jesus. It takes the spirit of the risen Jesus to fill us to overflowing with all that he is. It takes the spirit of the risen Jesus to go before us and ahead of us. And the reason, part of the reason we're talking about this is I believe God wants this to be part of the heritage we are building together, of our heritage together. It will take the spirit of Jesus. It will take us choosing authentic love 
and pursuing Christ together in intense spirituality. It will take radical generosity as we've never seen it before. It will take faithful risk and hopeful partnership and being on passionate mission together, but it is so worth it. It will take all of this and more, but we get to do it together. Respect has been our school's foundation piece the past 12 school years, and it really drives so many of the things we do in our programming and in relationship to our students and to their families. So the relationship that we have with Heritage is one of the best relationships, and Heritage plays a very big uh, part in the success of our students in this building. You have the Marshall Market. The Marshall Market is that safe haven of some of these students that cannot or do not have the resources to have food. Since January of 2017, the Esperanza Legal Assistance Center has served 412 individuals in a variety of ways. Laura Donna's is one of those stories, a story that involves the Legal Assistance Center helping her walk a journey toward citizenship, even though that journey once seemed impossible. So I say, oh my goodness, she finally, somebody finally believed in me, you know? Somebody finally believed in what I'm saying is true. And um, I remember the day when we, I have that interview after all the process and the long waiting. I was completely trusting God, knowing he will do whatever he do as his will. And he did it. He bring me a paper and say, congratulations, you are a citizen. And this is my story. All of these stories reveal that Jesus is alive and that he is alive in us. As we seek the peace and prosperity of our region, we do so by choosing Christ's kingdom over our own comfort, by wanting more for than from others, as we connect with God, with one another, and with our purpose together. Thank you for being part of seeing Jesus call things to new life, redeeming and restoring things here and beyond. Thank you for walking this journey of who we are, what we value, and where we're headed. Thank you for being part of our heritage. I, uh, I love that we get to be part of partnering alongside a church that has an influence and impact like that. And, and I never get tired of hearing how God's working in those ways. Yeah, and I hope that you feel like, woohoo, this is what we are building together. Because I watch something like that, and I just am so, so grateful that Holy Spirit has seen fit to work in us and through us, not for our fame or our glory, but for the fame and the glory of Jesus. Um, you know, Sean and I were, we were at the grocery store um, on our day off on Friday. It's his favorite thing favorite. to get to do with me. I love it. And, well, I had to get a turkey, and it was going to be heavy, so I brought my guy to help me get all the stuff for Thanksgiving. And so we're in the store, and one of the guys who works in the store struck up a conversation with us, and he said, um, so, so what do you do? And we said we're pastors, and you know we always say that, and then we kind of watch for the reaction of what you know. And he, he was, of course, like, "Oh," <laughs> and then he said, "Well, what church?" And we said, "Heritage Church." And he said, "Well, I'm Catholic." 
And we were like, great, that's awesome. Good job. Uh, I mean, we were, you know, no pressure or anything. But he said, hey, I just want you guys to know that your church, it, it is really making a difference all over the Quad Cities. And I just thought that was so sweet of him to share and so remarkable. And, and so I just want to pass that on to all of you that our church is making a difference all throughout the Quad Cities. And I think that if our church closed its doors tomorrow, our community would notice. And, and that is, that's a good thing because not because of an event or a production or a thing that we're doing, but because we're so relationally connected that there would be a vacuum. And that's not about us. That's about what Jesus is doing in and through us. And so I'm just so, so grateful for that. Yeah, I, following Jesus changes how we live. It, it changes how we live and what we live for. It changes what we do along the way. It really gives us a totally new life. So the reality is it's different from what was, but it positions us to be on a journey to all that actually can be. And something that a missionary in, in scripture named Paul said, and he planted a bunch of churches, he said this in Colossians 3, verse 11. He said, in this new life, and talking about the new life that we can have in Jesus, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Now, what he's saying is it doesn't matter how you've started. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how sideways things have gone to this point for you. Anyone and everyone can have a new life in Jesus if they believe and follow him. It, there are lots, lots of things that we can pursue in life. There are things that we can invest in. There's lots of things that we can actually do. But what really matters or all that matters, as Paul says, is Jesus it's just Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's just him. And he modeled for us a life that reflects the six things we've unpacked in the Our Heritage journey as a family. Each of those things that we just saw even in the video, they reflect the elements of a life of Christ, and that is our heritage. Paul goes on to say, uh, starting in verse 12, he says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Skipping down to verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love because it's love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace. And always, always be thankful. I love in this passage the centrality of love, that, that Paul gives us this invitation to actually choose to put on and to wear like clothes mercy and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. But above all else, if you're going to put on nothing else, my friends, my brothers and sisters, put on love. Love that is authentic and real and demonstrated. Love that is with. Love that can be seen and felt. You know, our commitment to, to really being with that presence, peace, 
That's why when, when we really are embodying authentic love, that's why we go to the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center and we're with the men there. That's why people go into, from Heritage, go into Rock Island County Jail. We don't just wanna say, hey, we love you and let the love of, love of Christ be with you. We wanna go and bring that love into those spaces and actually embody that love. And our response, our overwhelming response to the great love that the Father has shown us is just, it's gratitude. Gratitude that wells up from within us because we've been so well loved by Jesus Christ, our Savior. One of the things we see in the life of Jesus and in all of Scripture is that a love for God leads to living for God. When, when we recognize the sacrifice of Jesus, when we know what, that the freedom that comes along with that, that the new life that he offers to us, when we recognize that, when we receive that life, it leads us into a place and position of gratitude, a place to express gratitude. But, but here's the thing, there's a difference between saying thanks and giving thanks. They're two different things. It's one thing to say thank you. It's another thing to actually show thanks. And as we kind of approach our Thanksgiving celebration, it's important to understand the difference. And one of the greatest examples I know of a gratitude that not just says thanks, but shows thanks, that gives thanks, is seen in the story of a man who in his later years of life would walk down to a Florida beach near his home and walk out onto a pier carrying a bucket. It's one of those piers or docks that just kind of stick out into the water. And he would walk out once a week in the evening around sunset with that bucket. And just as he got close to the end, he would reach into that bucket and just throw handfuls of shrimp onto the dock. And seagulls would come from everywhere. They would land all around, they'd land on his shoulders, they'd land on his hat, and they would just eat up all the shrimp. But once the shrimp was gone, they would still hang out. The birds would linger. It would just be the birds and this old man hanging out on this dock. Now, you may be wondering why I'm sharing this story or wondering why he would even be doing this, but you have to understand who he was. His name was Eddie, Eddie Rickenbacker. And Eddie was a famous World War I pilot. He was an ace. And in World War II, he was supporting the war effort by traveling around different parts of the world. And on one occasion was flying over the South Pacific when his plane went down. And he and the other eight members of the crew found themselves in a fight for their lives. They, they were fighting thirst, they were fighting the sun, they were fighting sharks. Some of the sharks were larger than the lifeboats that they were in. But the thing that nearly killed them was starvation. They were out there for more than three weeks, but they ran out of rations and food in three days. Eddie actually documented that they would have afternoon devotionals and prayer times. And on one occasion, one day after that prayer time, he had leaned back in his lifeboat, pulled his hat over his eyes, and was just going to get some rest when he felt something on his head. And he knew right away that it was a seagull. He also realized in the same moment that they were still hundreds of miles out to sea. And he recognized that if he didn't get that bird, that he and the crew would likely die. So he just remained motionless. Some of the other crew began to see the bird, but nobody said anything or moved at all until Eddie quickly grabbed the bird. And then they gave thanks, and they ate it. And they used the remaining portions of the bird as fish bait, and they survived. The thing about that is, Eddie never forgot the gift of the seagull. He never lost gratitude for the sacrifice that it made. So once a week, every week, he would walk down to that pier, walk out on the dock, reach into the bucket, and in handfuls, show and say, thank you, thank you, 
thank you. That's a powerful and clear example of a gratitude that doesn't just say thanks, but shows thanks. And my friends, you and I, because of what Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection, we are positioned with a very similar opportunity that Eddie had to not just say thanks, but to show thanks, to show thanks for his great gift and to, as Paul said, always be thankful. And when we are filled with gratitude, we say thank you as we live for him. We can have that same deep gratitude that Eddie had as we live our lives around the practicality of the six values that Jesus modeled. Because when we have a love for God, it leads us to actually living for God. Yeah, you know, and that practice of being thankful, the practice of gratitude, this is the antidote to lots of things that want to trip us up in life. And so the practice of gratitude, it's an antidote to bitterness and to envy and jealousy and unforgiveness and anger. Anne Voskamp says this about the practice of giving thanks. The practice of giving thanks, Eucharisteo, this is the way we practice the presence of God. This is the way we stay present to his presence. And it is always a practice of our eyes. We don't have to change what we see. We only need to change the way that we see. Giving thanks from the word Eucharisteo, that should feel familiar. You see, the word Eucharist is a word that the church uses to describe the sacrament of communion. This is one of the crucial ways that we come together as a church and we practice the presence of God together. But what if our commitment to stay present to God's presence extended out to the way we see the world? What if our commitment to cultivate the practice of giving thanks in all things was a way to stay present to what God was actually doing in the world. You see, practicing gratitude is choosing to pick up the lens of gratitude and to look out at the world and to see it the way that God sees it and to give thanks. We have a lot to be grateful for. And Sean and I wanna invite you to use your note guide on the second page of your note guide. You're gonna see an invitation to walk through the values and to pivot between things that you're thankful for about your church family, but then also personal things that you're thankful for, for you or your family. If you don't wanna do this right now, we encourage you sometime this week as you prepare your heart for Thanksgiving that you would spend time and do that. Uh, but what Sean and I are going to do is we're just going to kind of walk through those values together and go back and forth. And we want to share with you things that we're grateful for as it connects to these values. So in the area of authentic love, I, I'm grateful for a church that's willing to create spaces for more people to know Jesus. Whether that's in a prison or in a school or in a community space or somewhere around our network, the willingness to be a space where the broken or the addicted, the, those that are struggling can come in and be welcomed we can encounter love and ultimately encounter God. I'm grateful for that. In fact, I, I just received an email recently from a young man who, who came to one of our Heritage Expressions one weekend uh, struggling with addiction. And out of that space, because of the love he experienced here within our church family, he encountered God and he left that space, recommitted to God at the beginning of a journey of sobriety that has led him now into a call to ministry and he's pursuing that even today. 
I'm grateful for a church that's willing to create space through hundreds of volunteers, numerous teams each week, being the hands and feet of Jesus in big and small ways to create those spaces where God can draw people to himself. We get to see that every year. Hundreds of people choose to follow Jesus each year through the ministries of heritage. And I'm grateful for a church that's willing to authentically love like that. Yeah, you know, it's the love of God. Really, our response to God's love is to, is to pursue the things of God with an intensity. And we're calling that intense spirituality. And just recently, through the fall, we had a group of people that came together uh, to participate and explore relationship. And I am so grateful for what God did in that space. I felt like people were just coming into this space and every single week there were people who were understanding scripture and how they could read it for themselves and dig into it in a new way or understanding God's story and the reality that God's story means that their story has value. And at the end, it was just this beautiful time where people were able to share their stories, many of them for the first time, because they had believed a lie somewhere along the way that, that they couldn't tell their story because of shame or their story didn't have any value. And so it wasn't something uh, that people would even care to hear. And people got free from that and God did some amazing things in that space as people were just willing to say, you know what? I wanna pursue God more than anything else. And we see that happening, whether that's in home groups or in mentoring relationships all over our church body. There's just a, a deeper intensity for the things of God. And we celebrate that and we wanna say as we look to the coming year, Holy Spirit, we want more of that. <laughs> we want you to cultivate in us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and for the things of God. And that, that intensity leads us, it ripples in other areas of our lives. And, and when it comes to that radical generosity piece, Jesus demonstrated radical generosity in, in how he came to earth, how he lived, how he died for us. He, he forfeited his own comfort so you and I could access his kingdom. And one of the things that I'm grateful for this year is a church that's, that's willing to do that. Every time I see the Heritage family choose to forfeit their own comfort for God's kingdom, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful. Uh, I, we see it in the stories that we saw in the, our Heritage journey. Uh, we see it in the ways that we have pursued a number of bold moves over the last few years uh, as we seek the peace and prosperity of our cities. None of those things are about us. They're not for us. They're, they're for Jesus. And so I'm grateful for the radical generosity of Jesus, but also the radical generosity that you have expressed as we continue to chase his purposes and his kingdom. Yeah, and the reality is, is that Risk and generosity, like you don't get to radical generosity without being willing to risk something. And so those things sort of go hand and glove together. And I am so grateful that Heritage is willing to be a place um, where we can have risky conversations. And so we've had some tough conversations um, about what does violence against women look like here in our Quad Cities and, and what are we going to do about that? And we've had tough conversations about our need for immigration reform as a country and how we're engaged in that conversation and in that space as a church. And we don't take it for granted that, that we are a church that is creating a safe space where people can come and they can have those conversations and they can connect to God in a new way. Because here's the reality. If you don't feel safe with what you're wrestling with, with God, then God becomes unsafe to you. 
And so the fact that people have been able to come, I can't tell you how timely the conversation was for many, many women across our congregation. When we talked about what was happening in our Quad Cities and some of the domestic violence issues, there were many, many, many women who were in really dire circumstances who just needed to know that there was resources, that there was a safe avenue for them to pursue. And, and, and I say, what better place than the church to have those kind of conversations? And so I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, Heritage, for being willing to just create that buffer zone for people to connect to Jesus in a way that is safe and honoring to the journey that they're on. The, the, one of the dynamics of being willing to risk is that it creates hope be, mm -hmm. because as we risk, it positions us to experience what can be or others to experience what can be. And one of the things around hopeful partnership for me as, as a trooper turned pastor, um, I, there's a really unique nexus for me to see the church uh, intersecting within prisons and within those who have been incarcerated as well as our law enforcement partnerships in our cities. Uh, there's something very humble, humbling about that and I'm grateful for our part in it because within our world, it's a beautiful intersection, but it's not a usual one. To see the church intersect with the incarcerated and the police and to see that to be a nexus of hope and healing is wonderful. It's what the kingdom of God should be. It, it, it's a beautiful moment. And the reality is it's because it, it's not about Jew or Greek. It's not about slave or free, it's about Jesus. It's, there's unity in life in Jesus. And that nexus for me is, is one that personally connects for me and I'm grateful for, but we've also stepped to another level as we've positioned an organization called the Safer Foundation in our Bridgepoint facility as one of our tenants. It's a community organization that's committed to the successful reentry of those who are exiting incarceration. And there's a beauty to that hopeful partnership as we continue to lean into those spaces and other spaces around our region, and I'm grateful for that. And I want to celebrate. I mean, there's so many things in hopeful partnership. I'm like, I could go on and on, but I'll just pick one. Um, and so just yesterday um, at our Esperanza Center, we came together as a church family all across our network and led by our HSM students and some awesome, awesome leaders, um, we packed 50,000 meals. 50, yeah, 000. I mean, it's awesome. Hundreds of you made it a priority to come together and serve as a family or a small group. It was awesome. You, you braved the hair nets and the beard nets and all the things uh, to pack meals. And these meals um, are going to, they're Meals from the Heartland is the sponsoring agency. But these meals will go out to Convoy of Hope that shows up in some of the worst disasters and worst um, things that are happening all around the world. And, and they show up with, with food in a time of need. And I love that we do that, not just in a moment, but that we're doing that with our partnership through Riverbend and our food pantries and the schools and our mobile food pantry. And we continue to say that we're not okay with people going to bed hungry. And I just celebrate that we keep showing up in that space. You know, this, this passionate mission that we get to be a part of, that's really God's passionate mission for the world, the work of reconciliation. That all people would be reconciled to God, experience reconciliation and healing within themselves. And so then that work goes on as it mends the divides between people. And so we are so grateful to be a part of a church that is bridging socioeconomic divides, gender divides, 
race, ethnicity, culture, language, even political divides. Uh, we are a divided country right now. Our culture is divided. And we just celebrate that our church is, this, is a space where we can hopefully everybody come together and take a breath and allow our hearts to be knit together in harmony because of the love of Jesus. This beautiful, beautiful tapestry called Our Heritage is not perfect. If you flip it over on the backside, you see all the knotty threads and how the threads maybe don't always connect and don't look all neat and tidy. So it's not perfect, but we are committed to being the holy people he loves because Christ, Christ is all that matters. So the Our Heritage conversation is foundational. Uh, it's been a bit different as a series for us, but it's essential because when we understand the sacrifice of Jesus, we live differently. Uh, we are, we're compelled to live differently. In fact, he positions us to live differently. And one of the things that Paul goes on to say in that Colossians 3 passage is simply this, verses 16 and 17. Let the message about Christ, let the, the life of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ in all of its richness, richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In a moment, we're going to create an opportunity, two expressions of being able to show and say thanks, uh, individually and corporately. It'll be through the sacrament of communion and through worship in song. In these spaces, it's going to position and prepare us to pivot towards Thanksgiving and into our Advent journey and our on-ramp to Christmas. As we do this, I want you to know that my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for you, is that you would let the message of Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Let him fill you. Let him spill out through you as he lives in you. You are his handiwork. You are his masterpiece, created in him to do good works. Let that be shown this season as we approach this time through the holidays. That's my prayer for you. So as we begin to prepare our hearts for communion, I wanna let you know that at Heritage, we practice an open table. And this means if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we want you to participate in communion. You don't have to be a member here. Um, you just have to have a relationship with Jesus because one of the beautiful things about communion is it's the space where we come together and where we give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus. When the ushers come forward and they'll do that as I pray, they're gonna pass a tray. And in that tray, you'll find two cups that are double stacked. There'll be a wafer um, in the one cup and a juice in the other. And so you're gonna wanna grab both cups. And there'll be a worship song playing. And we just invite you to be in a posture of gratitude and spend some time with Jesus giving thanks. And then as you feel ready, you can take that communion on your own and then engage in worship however you, you feel like you want to respond. If you need gluten-free communion in all of our spaces, the gluten-free option is at the back and you can move back there um, whenever, you, whenever you feel ready to do that. You know, we talked about uh, the Eucharist. And the word Eucharist literally means in the Greek, good grace. And I'm always struck in the moment of communion how this, this act that we do is a good grace for us. 
And it feels wonderful for us to, to take communion and to sort of revel in the relationship that we have with Jesus. But the reality is that this good grace costs Jesus everything. And it's staggering for me to realize that on the night that Jesus would be betrayed, before it got to that point, he sat with his disciples. And in Luke 22, it tells us that he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. That word Eucharist is the word that's used there. Jesus gave thanks as he broke the bread, knowing that in a few short hours, it wouldn't be bread that was broken. It would literally be his body. And he said to his disciples, and he says to us today, whenever you take this bread, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of his great love and his great sacrifice. And then he took the cup and he said, whenever you drink of this cup, remember the new covenant that my blood brings for you. And so as we receive communion today, I would just invite you to sit in this space of saying thanks be to God as you hold the elements. Let a heart of gratitude well up in you in response to his great love, his authentic love demonstrated for us by his death on a cross. Let's pray together. Father, we say thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for being willing to risk it all so that we could be reconciled so that blood would no longer have to be spilled, but that Jesus once for all sacrifice would be enough. How, how grateful we are. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being willing to be broken for us and poured out for us. May you give us courage to be as generous with the people around us as you are with us. May you give us courage to be, be willing to risk it all, to share about you with the people around us. May you give us courage to be on mission with you as our leader, as our savior, as the lover of our souls. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your strong name, amen.